The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWM podcast. I am your host, Billy, as always. And on this edition of the show, I am joined by your mother's least favourite wrestler, uh, Jay Robin. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, I put I, that up as a joke and everyone <laughs> mentions it to me now. That's, that's it now. That, that's, that's I'm just going to get the t-shirts that just say that. <laughs> I mean, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be people that buy them. No doubt people will buy it. <laughs> I, I was joking with my partner the other day because my, my partner's not a less than fan. Um and the the only watches it because I will watch it or I'm like he would come to shows because I was on them. And if I wasn't there, he's like, I'm not bloody coming to that. Um and I was just like, I'm gonna get a t-shirt that says my boyfriend's least favourite wrestler because he doesn't like me, but he loves uh the Russians. That were the that I, I had my first match on a show with. He's just because he's like he's into like politics and communism. He's just like they're doing Soviet stuff. I like them, and I'm just like I live with you, <laughs> but I get nothing. I get nothing from him. <laughs> I, I think we should clarify just if I was listening. I'm sure he means the subject of communism. He's not a he's not proper into the communism. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, right. no, I, I mean, I have the Communist Manifesto sitting behind me, but it's just for study reasons. <laughs> right, so the first question is always the same. So uh, how did you get into pro wrestling? What got you hooked? Um, I mean, funny enough, like, I don't remember how I got into wrestling. I just remember being into wrestling. Um, I used to, like my aunt and my uh, cousin, my oldest cousin, uh, they were wrestling fans and they were watching like uh, early 90s. Uh, so it was like Ultimate Warrior, and the Macho King and like stuff like like that sort of era, like just pre when Hogan left sort of thing. And I'd be at the house and they're all, it's on Sky. And then I, my first sort of memory of anything is actually Christmas Day. I don't know which year, possibly 92 or 93, but I got just tons of the Hasbro toys. So I had like the Hogan's and Macho Kings and Bret Hart's and just that was, that's like my earliest introduction to wrestling and I wanted to be a policeman when I was younger and the big boss man was like the king to me. I was just like, nothing is better than uh, big boss man. And like to this day, I still will go watch stuff with him in it. Like I'm that much of a geek. I will go watch not just as... WWF stuff. I'll go watch WCW or the NWA when he was Big Bubba with Jim Cornette. I love all that stuff. And that's kind of like my early introduction to wrestling. Like a lot of my early memories as a child is either uh, Batman or wrestling. Like again, early memories is like I was at a show 93 and Tatanka was coming to me to the ring. Biggest pop of the night. It's the loudest thing I've ever heard at a wrestling show until I started going when I was an adult. And it's just like, that's my that was my childhood. It was like wrestling, Batman and Power Rangers. Like that's all, that was like the, the formative years of uh, of Jay Lobin was just like superheroes and wrestling. That's all you need, really. I mean, I think my childhood was, <laughs> well, I started watching when I was nine. So it wasn't really, it was kind of a childhood, but 
a little bit later on, but yeah, it was it was wrestling Spider Man Power Rangers. Yeah, so. it's, I've I've had this weird relationship with wrestling though, where I watched it till maybe I was like five or six, and then I fell out, and then I got back in. 99, 2000, because the Attitude Era and Stone Cold and all that stuff. And then 2002, I fell out again. And then 2016, I left school. And uh, my parents were renovating the, the house at the time. And so I was sleeping in the living room. So and this, this, I was just like flicking through channels when it, and Raw was on. I was like, oh, I remember this. And it was like, it was just after... It was just before WrestleMania 22, like Edge would won the belt like two weeks beforehand at the Rumble. And it was just like, Edge is the champion now? Like, I need to watch this again. And since then, I've just kind of, like my fandom like reignited and I just got, I got really into just like watching it all the time and got obsessed with like the history. That's when I got obsessed with like a lot of the history of, of wrestling. Because that's, that's like, I love the old territory stuff as well. Yeah, um, so... I just noticed something when you said you started watching early 90s. I, f- I find that you can tell someone watched into late 80s and early 90s. The difference is what they call Randy Savage. Uh, anyone 80s into the end of the 80s is Macho Man. But anyone yeah. early 90s is Macho King. I just, I just noticed that now because I've go back in previous conversation. I'm like, everyone that watches past 1990 is Macho King. <laughs> Randy Savage. <laughs> I mean, I was born in 89, like my birthday's uh, Hugmanay, so I was born Hugmanay in 1989, so 1990, I like, like he was only the Macho King to me, um, like when I have the, t- I call Macho King because the toy, again, like going back to what I was saying about the Has, like all the Hasbro's, it was the Macho King version with the clown and the scepter and I was just like, and he just looked so cool and I had like the tapes and all the tapes were Macho King with, um, with uh, the, the Queen Sensational Shelley who's, like, terrified me as a child. Like, she was a scaly-looking woman. Um, yeah, well, I, my first, like, experience of Macho Man, I suppose, was, uh, or, well, he's Macho Man because I, I don't have, I don't have a, a affiliation at SSR watching 99, so I didn't watch uh, Nitro or anything like that. Uh, but uh, was was, uh, I think it was Royal Rumble 94, I think, I had a, a, a tape, <laughs> and he was Macho Man. Is, is that when he eliminates himself? No, that was '93. Uh, but '94 <laughs> is uh, where 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 I can't remember what. It's, I think he's in the rumble briefly. Oh no, it is. Yeah, it is. What we really Yeah, '93 is when he tries to pin Yokozuna. Uh, yeah, '94 is when he jumps out. Body there. Yeah. yeah, that's it. He's good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was. He was. I think he was Macho King at that point. And um, so, like I said, uh, that, uh, it's, it's it's something I've just noticed that. I can tell when people start watching because of that only. Um, so you got back in the Archie era, you saw Stone Cold and what have you. Was there any particular favourites that, that you, um, drew, you were drawn to? I just remember there was a time just before the Archie era, well, it was the Archie era that was holding on, but it was like 97, 98. TNT was like came on after um, Cartoon Network. And the first show they showed on like Friday night was Nightlo, and I saw a few episodes of that, and it was Chris Jericho was like really like was like really vibe. I was like, this guy's amazing. This guy's so funny, and he was he was doing that cocky heel. I think it was the I think he I think he just did like the thousand and four holds thing, and I remember saying like, oh, it's Monday night though, Monday night, and I was just like, so I was like, okay, Monday night, I'm gonna try and watch this, 
And it was never on on Monday nights because they showed it on Friday nights. So oh, like, but I'm like seven, eight years old, so I don't understand that when they say Monday on in the UK it's Friday because I just didn't have I, like I was not smart enough apparently to get make that connection. And then everyone at school was talking about that, and I got into WWF because of that. And it was like um, Sean Waltman, X Pac. And because uh, this is like sort of post WrestleMania 15, it was like Sean Walkman and uh, uh, was, I think it was the European champion or Shane McMahon was, but Shane yes. and X Pac, those, those two matches, and like all credit to Shane McMahon, he's really good uh, for, what he can, for what he can do. But Walkman was so like just. He was so quick, he was so fast. And I, like, as a kid, I was just like, like I, I love Stone Cold and I love, you know, all the other guys, but like X-Pac was like my guy. Like X-Pac was, for me, that either's big, like what the big boss man was when I was a young child. Because big boss man at that point was like doing like prototype shield for some reason. And I was just like, oh, I don't like you anymore. But this guy does the spin kicks and he does the Blanco Buster. And he tell, sorry, uh, he tells everyone to suck it. And I was just like this. Nine years old, as that this is absolutely what I want to do, want to watch it, but at that time, yeah, I, I like when people just come up with like not the, the usual like, oh, who's your favorite wrestling actor? Or, oh, The Rock. Like, everyone liked The Rock. Like, yeah, there's someone else. I like Scotty Toy. So <laughs> Scotty Toy is like uh, Scotty Too Hotty. Uh, because of him, I learned how to do the one. And um, I was at the swimming one time with my friends, and it was just before we go in, but I was like all tiled outside. And someone was just like, it was someone's big brother was there and never met him. He's just like, and my, my friend Michael was just like, oh, Jake can do the one, Jake can do the one. And I'm just like, no, I can't, I, I can't do the one. I didn't want to like do it and mess it up in front of this like older kid because I was like, I'm, he's so cool. And I was just like, okay, I'll do it. And I went to do it. And for some reason, I was wearing a, I was wearing a belt buckle. And when I went to do it, it went right into my private parts. I really hurt myself. So I did one like really bad one. And I was just like, that'll do it. And I totally embarrassed myself in front of like this guy that I thought like oh he's so cool he's got like PlayStation and all this stuff and I just like totally messed up doing the one so how did you go from watching it to training to do it um so there was two sort of things like um I've got like mental health issues like everyone else uh, really does uh, but I've got uh, anxiety and uh, sort of like a, a depression from that. In about 2012, uh, I was like at the end of my tether and I was like, I, I can't remember what I was doing, but I, w- I ended up watching some lesson stuff and it really inspired me. I tried to get in contact with uh, the company in Dundee. I got in, company, in contact with uh, uh, W3L and I was just like, uh, if I wanted to train, because I was thinking like this, like this, for some reason it sort of ignited this sort of passion in me to be like, I don't want to do much with my life, but if I'm going to stick around, I want to do something. And like lessons seemed like a good idea. So I was like, so I contacted them saying like, hey, like, what, what would I need to do to get involved in that? And uh, neither of them got back in touch with me. Uh, but I was able to find something else in my life that kind of allowed me to keep on, you know, keep on fucking. And then my flatmate, um, when I actually decided to start training, which was 2000 and... Uh, it was like May 2018. Uh, my flatmate came home, and my flatmate is not the most. Uh, what's the word to describe him? Uh, 
athletic person, I suppose is the word. He used, he's, he never did pee at school. He sat out of it every week with a fake uh, sick note. Uh, and he came home one day and he said, oh, uh, I was meant to be going away on uh, Monday, but I'm going to go away on Tuesday because I'm going to do something on Monday night. And I'm like, what are you doing on Monday night? Because he doesn't really go out that much. He's just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just doing a thing. And I'm like, what is it? And he's just like, oh, I was, it's a thing. And I'm like, what is it? And he's just like, there's a less than school just along the road. Uh, which it was at the time as uh, the Dundee promotion literally had a school which is a six minute walk from my flat and he's just like I'm going to go train to be a wrestler and I just fell about laughing because uh, I was just like you're going to be a wrestler and it wasn't it wasn't like a nasty thing it was just like like if, if you if he never if you know if someone said oh he's going to be a wrestler I would just like no that's never going to happen but I was just like well if you're going to do it I'll go as well so I went along. And uh, I think he lasted about six months or so. And then he stuck around doing other stuff because he's actually a photographer. So I think you've used some of his photos. He's cracked out glass photography. So I think you've oh, used right. some of his photos. And uh, um, he, he ended up doing like ringside photos and promo shots for everyone. But I just like stuck at it because I was just like, you, uh, like Roddy Piper described wrestling as a sickness. Like, like why, that's why so many guys can't leave. And even just training, I felt, I almost felt like I had that where I was just like, I want to be here. Like even when the, I'd been there like training three weeks, I had to go away for a few days and I missed one training session. And when I was like, I was with my partner, we're the way, I think we were in Edinburgh and I'm sort of looking at my watch going, I should be at training right now. I should be bumping right now. I should be like, <laughs> I should be doing something. And it's like, I think like, after three weeks, I was already obsessed with like training and trying to become a lesson. And that was just kind of my introduction to it. Just like someone said, I'm going to be a lesson. I'm like, no, you're not, but I will. And uh <laughs> Four, four years, three years later, like I'm still hopefully going to get someplace. Um, I also started quite late. I started um, quite late because I'm 28 years old, so. All right. Well, I mean, I 20 when it started. The, the, the classic, the classic uh, example everyone brings out is like DDP and Tista started yeah. late, but they were also humongous and athletic yeah. and all that so it's like it's like oh oh they started late Aye, but did you see them at the time and the, the thing that everyone's everyone says that to, about, about, to me about ddp and the thing that i was again because this is the history nerd in me uh is ddp was in the awa in the i want to say late 80s but definitely the early 90s as a manager he was in wcw for a long time as a manager before he was less than so even though yes he started to train late he was already in the business. He had that that in, and even if he was never going to be, you know, what he became, which was you know, television champion, US champion, world champion, he was always going to have something to do in that company, whether it was a job or something else. He was always going to be there. So it's like it's one of those things where like DDP, massive success story, but he was already in the business. Batista's, in my opinion, slightly different, but like again, like you said, humongous. The guys. Um, I mean, just look at him as Drax. He's absolutely bloody huge. Like, like, no one's messing with Batista on a normal day. And then like, he's, he gets into lessons, just like, yep, yeah, he looks like a bloody wrestler. It's weird. I, I was watching, uh, because as of recording, uh, it's his rest, just past WrestleMania weekend. Um, so I'm, I'm a, very surprised I'm awake. But uh, I was watching uh, some old WrestleManias and there was him against Undertaker. And I was looking at Batista going, I don't remember you looking like that because I, I know you from things like uh, like Guardians now and when you came at his return, he looks so trim and lean. and like, Yeah. It, it, oh, it's, it's, I, 
I remember first seeing them because this is this was just before this is like a two thousand and two period where I just kind of drifted away from wrestling. Um, he just debuted on the main roster as Deacon Batista. So I, you know, I remember like with the charity box and the the the, the suit with the, the the sleeves slipped off for some reason, and then I just because I would keep an eye on things, and then I'm suddenly just like, oh, Batista's with Triple H, and he's wearing trunks, and I'm just like, why the hell did they cover up that guy's body? Like, look at that guy. Like, that's like that's money, like there. Like, it's it's, it's music. It's just weird, like the way they say, like they started training late, but they had they started on second base in a way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they started with an advantage to to begin with. Um, so, what was that first day? What was that first couple of days of training then? Because I, I like to ask uh, this one particularly because I've had most people say it was torture, but I get the old one or two that seemed to be a glutton for punishment. Um, so, what was it like on that that first couple of weeks? The first bump, the first uh, cardio. What what was that like? Uh, the first cardio, the the like just warm ups, like run on the spot, um, uh, feet to the butt, all that stuff. That was killer because I've never been uh, the greatest. I've never had great cardio, um, and like even at school, like I was a sprinter, but I like, I, like long distance, I was like not not equipped for that sort of thing. So that was like uh, even before we, um, even before like I stopped training. Um, I had to stop training. It was like I was still I was still struggling with cardio sometimes. But first bumps, like um, I mean, I could bumps were fine. Like bumps, like the way they got us to do them was just like go get in the ring and squat down and throw yourself back. Make sure you tuck your chin and close your mouth because you'll bite your tongue off. Um, and that was that. You know, it was it was. I really enjoyed the first couple of weeks. Like looking back now, I'm sure at the time I was just like I am so much pain. But uh, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, the first couple of nights, it was more just like, okay, do a low, do a forward low, do a backwards low, do a shoulder low, do this, do that. It was like really simple stuff. Like those really basic fundamentals that you don't really do that much of later on. So like it was, it was, it was always fun. Like I remember like being scared to take a flip bump the first time because I was just like, I've got to jump. I've got a flip, I've got to land on my back and I'm not going to do that full rotation, I'm going to land on my head, I'm pretty sure of it. I didn't, but I was sure I was going to, sort of thing. So I was always um, very trepidatious taking bumps early on, but it took me a long time to, I could bump, I felt like I could bump quite well after a while, just doing bumps, like, on my own. But if you ask me to take a clothesline, I always, like, felt I was struggling to do them. Uh, like, bumps in matches, I was just like, I'm going to, I'm never going to get the hang of this. That's what I always felt like. And then into the envelopes, it's the simplest thing in the world. It's three steps and turn, three steps and turn. And I think it took me like two weeks to learn how to do it. It's like, I'm 28 years old and it's taken me two weeks to learn how to run something. It was just like, it was kind of like, it was, it was internally, I'm sure no one else cared, but for me, it was a little bit embarrassing at the time. But, I'm sure no one else. Like, I've, I've mentioned to someone, they'd be like, "I don't remember you taking more than like five minutes to do that." But I've, they say that anxiety that I have really does affect things. I'm, I, my partner make fun of me because uh, I've got Italian and I talk with my hands a lot. So if you ever see this, like that's just me talking with my hands. So I apologize if it's distracting to anyone. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, to, 
anyone who watched this could tell when I've watched a Stone Cold podcast, the Broken Skull Sessions, because suddenly I start doing this a lot and just go because he, he does this all the time when he's speaking, and I'm just like, uh, this is awful content for the audio version. But uh, I always just I would just watch the Jericho one last night, and I'm just like, I'm trying to control I my hands. It too. I'm yeah, I watched it yeah, so um, my partner just spent. My partner will just come through and just be like, "I'll be talking, I'll be doing this," and just like, "Yes, of course you're doing that." Like we have pet lats, and the lats for some reason have started doing this as well. And every time they do it, he just looks at me and just goes, "They're doing it again," and I'm like, "I see it." <laughs> Don't. <laughs> um, so you did the trade. Oh, I was about, um, thinking about the forward roll. Then I suppose, like, when you think you don't use the forward roll, does it? I think it gets your like body in the frame of mind to tuck. To tuck yeah. your head, I think, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what the, the purpose is of it, really, other than it's, 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 it is a fundamental move. At some point, you will use it. I think it probably is a part, part of the, the tucking your head. But there was people who would come along who were younger than me, and this was this kind of shocked me a few times. There's people who come along who are like, you know, maybe they're 15, 16, 17. So they're 10 years younger than me. They're not that, they're not overweight. They're not, they're, they're quite fit. They're quite active, but they don't know how to do a forward low. And I'm just like, don't they teach this stuff at school? Because that's what, I mean, I learned how to do all that stuff at school. And I was just like, I felt I was quite good at them. And then I'm seeing like people struggling with them. I'm like, okay, maybe uh, I can't, I can't run the ropes, but at least I can do the forward low sort of thing. Yeah. Is, uh, I, I used to be able to do it five stone ago, uh, but I, I think I'd struggle now. I ended up just uh, just flopping uh, right now. But no, is the funny enough thing? The first um, and the second um, time I was ever involved in an actual match uh, that was um, was one of there was the first Halloween Rumble. Um, I was Finn Balor, and uh, my flatmate was actually Goldust. And he went and did his thing, and like uh, did his thing. You and uh, you and G Mark is like flirting with him because you know that's the that's it's Goldust and you, and of course they're gonna. I come in as Finn Balor, and he's meant to come over, and he's gonna do the whole you know the the Finn the Goldust thing, and I'm gonna do the Finn Balor demon throw my hands up and all that stuff thing. And he starts backing me off into the corner, and I'm like, oh crap, what's he doing? Because uh, we didn't, there wasn't really a plan for what we were doing, and I was just like, the only thing I could think to do was like roll out the way as quick as possible. So in the second match, I actually got to use one of the rolls. I was like, I'm never going to use these. And literally, second match, shoulder roll out the way, and then I had to like try and get the headdress off and all my tassels and try and be Finn Balor for the two minutes that I was in that match. Just, just what you need when you're when you're in your second match uh, is to worry about a costume at the same time. Uh, so, what was the first match like, like then? What was your uh, your? Because you said you're an anxious person. I'm so conscious of the hands now that I've mentioned it myself. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned you're an anxious person. What was it like going out in front of a crowd for the first time? Um. So, the first match I did. Which was uh, was a battle royal as well. Um, was uh, hell for like that. So it was uh, in the kid hall, and this is like my sister and my partner were there, um, and it was just like I was. I'm already nervous because of that. I'm nervous because it's the first time I've ever been out in front of the crowd. My mum was a wrestling fan when she was younger, and she was taken to the kid hall 
back in the 60s and 70s by her dad. And even though they weren't there, and my granddad has passed away a long time ago before I was even born sort of thing, it was still in my head of going like, this is where my granddad took my mum to see wrestling because they would, you know, they'd go see, you know, uh, George Kerr and all, all those guys. And I'm like, I've got to go out and do this. And I was in the back and I'm just like leaning against, I've just got my head against the wall. And my method for sort of dealing with my anxiety when I start having uh, panic attacks is sort of just a, is a count to 10, breathe in for, uh, no, it's count to seven, breathe in for, uh, breathe in for seven seconds, breathe out for seven seconds. And then just repeat that until I calm down. And I was doing that for probably about five minutes before the match, just like leaning against the a wall just behind the curtain, sort of just like, you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. And then I got out there and the moment I actually walked, I walked out and I'm like, okay, there's, I mean, there was probably only maybe like, maybe three, 400 people there. But in my head, it's full and I'm freaking out and I go, I follow everyone around and we're, slapping hands with all the fans I get in the ring and the moment I got actually in the ring all the anxiety disappeared and I was just like okay in here I might not be the best wrestler I'm, I've only been doing this for five months I'm certainly not the greatest of all time or anything like that but I at least know what I can do in here that I can't I don't know what I'm doing when I'm out there in front of fans like like slapping their hands and everything like that because I'm not trained to deal with fans I've played to be a less uh, like lesser in the ring sort of thing so it was it was it was quite nerve-wracking until I was in the ring and then uh, Glum just beat the crap out of me um, <laughs> like just beat me up beat me up for like three minutes threw me to the side and then um, Eddie Eddie Devine uh, the mighty fine one uh, jumps on top of me beats me up some more and then just eliminates me I think I was like second out in the whole match I suppose in that moment then, because it is a battle royal, you, you don't have to heavily rely on the character. Like you're saying, you, you're, you, you can kind of focus on, right, I'm here to do a bit of the wrestling. Uh, I'll make sure everyone is safe. I'm safe. I'm out. Done. Right, that's it. Yeah. One in. I can work on the on the cheers and booze the next time. And yeah. it was, it was the, there was the other thing, it was just like, because... Um, it was like because uh, there was no like no one really had any gimmicks. There was a few gimmicks. Like Eddie was in there, Glum was in there. They were established as like sort of people on on the show. Uh, but the rest of them were like it was. I think Johnny Thunder was in there. Yeah, Johnny Thunder was like C one, but it was like the rest of us were just trainees, and um, never did anything. And we were all kind of just like everyone's wearing like the training t shirts so it's uh, you know property of Dundee, uh, <laughs> and I was wearing like. Like, my sister had to take me to Playmax and they were just like, get tights. And I'm just like, where the hell am I going to get tights? Like, uh, so when like, my sister was just like, I'll take you to Playmax. And she took me to Playmax and we bought like women's leggings. Uh, so I'm out there for the first time in like, <laughs> in women's leggings and a, le and a training t shirt. And I'm just like, I feel manly as hell. <laughs> 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 which, which, which again adds to my anxiety because I'm like everyone in here knows I'm really, like, no, no one knew my sister knew my boyfriend knew but no one else knew and they, and they, but I'm in my head I'm going like I'm out here wearing women's leggings everyone can see that I don't know what I'm doing and once I, literally once I was in the ring I was just like oh I know how to get beat up I did it for you know 16 years at school I, this is easy <laughs> So uh, go back 
because there's no structure in this podcast. Um, so going back before training, did you were you aware of of British wrestling at that point? I mean, you said you you were thinking of doing it in 2012, and and you'd contacted WCL. So did you go to their shows? Did you go to any other companies around about the country? Um, I'd went to. I didn't really go to shows. I watched stuff online. I went to some Dundee, some of the, the ones in Dundee, but that was really it in terms of local or British wrestling. But I paid attention to stuff because like, it's that that nerd in me uh, um, likes knowing what's going on. So even, even uh, obviously not like now, but before uh, COVID and everything, I was watching... ICW and WrestleZone and W3L and like anytime they put stuff up on their YouTubes or whatever, I was like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go watch this and like see what's going on there. And it's it's because at some point you will kind of want to wrestle these people, but also it's just good to see other less than that you don't get to see on a local level because like look, everyone watches WWE. But I've always said like like the greatest less in the world probably doesn't work for New Japan or WWE or AEW. I think. Great system more probably works for some indie indie company. We've just not saw him yet, and that's why I like to try and watch as much wrestling as possible um, in modern stuff. Um, like I, I watch indies in America, so I like it's anything I can get my hands on. I like to watch, but British wrestling. I was aware of guys like uh, Zach Sabre Junior, obviously, um, and like Noam Dar, like the guys who are now in like New Japan and WWE. I was paying attention to them. Uh, Will Osprey, I think, was just kind of breaking out at that point. So I was like very aware of like him and going like, "This guy's amazing! Like he's going to kill himself, but he's fantastic at what he does." Um, I, st- I still struggle to watch Osprey matches, like the older ones where he's doing all his high flying stuff because I'm terrified he's going to land on. The- I know he doesn't, but I'm terrified he's going to land on his head and break his neck. And I'm just like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. And then he does it, and I'm just like, How do you do that? Like, I don't want to be a high flyer, but at the same time, I wish I could do something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of the same with that, with uh, just trying to watch a bit of everything. Of course, because I do a Scottish wrestling website, I've got to try and keep my eyes on everything at some Scott. point. Yeah. yeah. To, to, I mean, even if, if I'm not 100% like, aware of, or I'd always, I'd always be basically interested, but I'm always, I'm always interested. Invested. In invested. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. If I'm not invested particularly, I've still got to try and keep an eye on it and, and, because uh, you know, content and what have you. Um, but yeah, th- all, all about that content these days. <laughs> uh, but oh, I know. It was well, this is the sixtieth podcast I've probably recorded now, so all about the content. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it is. I think you're absolutely right. We've never seen the greatest wrestler of all time. Um, because they haven't been discovered yet, or they haven't been yeah. on a worldwide scale, or or what yeah. have you. And also, oh, yeah, on you go. I mean, you could go back ten years. Ten years ago, he was. I think he was in the WWE at the time. But Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan was the greatest in the world for years, but he never worked any of the major companies. It was WWE. So it was it was Ring of Honor. It was Dragon's Gate. It was things like that. He was never in WWE until we eventually got signed, and then. But like he was the greatest for years. AJ Styles was the was one of the greatest. He'd never been in WWE, and that's why I always say like the the greatest wrestlers. Yes, there's great wrestlers in WWE. Cesaro is fantastic, and Seth Rollins is amazing. And um, if you go to New Japan, like Kota Bushi's fantastic, and Will Osprey and Okada, I think is definitely on the shortlist for one of the greatest of all time, sort of thing. But 
they're great, but there's guys that we've not discovered, we've not seen yet, that are just thing in the way and like when you eventually see them you go there holy crap like this guy has got it he's got the fist like he's got the look he's got the ability he's got the psychology and everything i just like i just want to see i, I like i remember seeing adam cole in the early ring of when he just debuted in ring of honor when he was uh future shock with kyle O'Reilly. i remember seeing those two together in, as the tag I think, it was, I think it was future shock but i remember seeing them as a tag team and i've seen them there and the vvr two of the best in the world right now it's, I love seeing that as well. Uh, and yeah, I mean, and also because wrestling's so weird, it's so subjective. Like, I've never seen an Akada match. Never seen one. Oh. So I, I don't know if he's the greatest wrestler of all time. Uh, but I've seen plenty of Daniel Bryan matches. I've seen plenty yeah. of Cesaro matches. So I can see... I, I, I have my favourites, of course. Everyone does. But... I'm always open to other people saying who their favourites or who they think is the greatest of all time because yeah. to them, they are. My, I, uh, I, yeah. my controversial opinion on the, the, possibly not the greatest of all time, but I think he's vastly underrated today because people only think of him as a commentator, but is actually Jerry the King Waller. Like, the King ran Memphis for 30 years as a main event star. He never had to travel anyplace. Name one other person in a teletour who did that, and yet he had sellouts every single week. And every, you know, every, like, it was sellouts constantly. And it's just like, why? It was because of Jelly Waller, because he was so over in that territory. And no one was over in a territory like Jelly Waller level was, because everyone had to move. Not Jelly. He was so good. And if he went to Florida for a, a, week, a few weeks, the business in Memphis went down. Every time, and you, you can go back, and it's just like, and that's what I said. When I say, oh, Jerry Lawler is like fantastic, and I was just like, the puppies guy. And I'm like, oh no, ignore this commentary, go watch his lesson, especially in the, in like 82 to like 86. It's amazing. I mean, even when, uh, I mean, I'm sort of going to strictly speak about his wrestling because like his, his, his outside and his opinions and things like that. In a bit of dodgy ground, but it's yeah. wrestling itself. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's always wrestling. Trying, always trying, uh, always trying, trying to have to separate the that from the thing because they. I'm um, I'm straight edge, so I'm like CM Punk. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. According to my friends, I'm no fun. Um, but the there's the, you look at a guy like Ric Flair. Like I do not agree with like the way he treated his body. Like he like the amount of drugs and um, drink and women he did. But as a wrestler, as like one of the best of all time, absolutely he's in the conversation. You have to separate mm -hmm. that thing and what Jerry Lawler's personal life is a plethora of just amazing content to talk about, but not on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, even when uh, Jerry Lawler, uh, I mean, I think people look down on it because it was for the WWE title, but uh, when Miz won the title in 2010 and his first big feud after Orton was the king. Yeah. yeah. And I still, I mean, I, I'm a big dirty mark. So I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I was 20 at the time. <laughs> Hey, hey, if you're in, I don't care what anyone says. If you're in the wrestling business, you're a big dirty mark. Oh, you're you the biggest. Like, <laughs> that's why you're in the business. If you're not, you wouldn't be here. Oh, I mean, I'll get back to that in a second. But yeah, when I was speaking of that, I was speaking to Molly Spartan for a future for a podcast that hasn't gone out as of recording, and pretty much she was saying that yeah, wrestlers are the biggest marks because they went and did it. So yeah, 
of course you are. You're, you're the biggest ones there because you actually went to do it. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, but I, I was still... I, I almost believe Jerry Lawler could be WWE champion in 2010. And that that's testament to... He's his, that good. Yeah. It's just madness. But yeah, wrestling subjective. That's kind of the whole... That's how we got to that point. Uh, because... Yeah. I, I like a bit of I like a bit of comedy. I like like I like Kevin Owens for as an example. Doesn't look like a wrestler, but he'll he'll uh, make you laugh. He'll make you uh, vested, and he'll do it safely and amazingly, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And he's he doesn't look like he should be a typical wrestler, but yeah. he's one of the best in the world. I would say. Yeah. See, I like I like Kevin Owens. I like um, AJ Styles in TNA when he was Christian's uh, sidekick. Yes. Um, though, though, like, <laughs> like that sort of comedy. I like that comedy in wrestling where it's be- um, believable. It, it, it's like wrestling comedy is, is so bad, especially because everyone thinks wrestling comedy should be like what WWE does wrestling comedy, and it's terrible. But like Santino Malella, I hate that. I hated that gimmick. I hated whenever he was on screen because the guy can have the if you make a joke of the guy that's fine once or twice oh that's part of his thing with you know um the, the way kevin owens does but when you have comedy lessons and everyone in uh in dundee used to make fun of me uh, they would take the mick out of me because I, they, they'd do something like really stupid or silly and i'd just like be shaking my head going like we'd all be killed like 30 years ago if we tried to do something like this like harley lace would have taken us in the back and just slapped the you know, out of us, saying eh? like it's it's like comedy is uh, like less than the subjective, but less than comedy. There's great guys who do it. Sami Zayn is very funny. Kevin Owens, like say AJ and TNA was hilarious. I like the New Day stuff sometimes, but it's like there's guys like Santino Malella or um, there's a, a lot of the stuff in like Impact, especially today. I just can't watch. Like I cannot watch that stuff. Um, I mean, speaking of Santino, yeah, I mean, but even in, I think, was it, was it 2010 as well? This must be a weird year. I might have to go back and watch some of it. Uh, but even... Was this when he was in the Elimination Chamber? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, yeah. 2011. No, it was 2011. Because yeah, they made him was... like US champion and they were just like, there was a, a rumour that they were going to make him serious and thingy and they put him in the Elimination Chamber and he got, I think he got just destroyed and then... Two yeah, weeks later, he's back to doing comedy. It's like, well, that was a waste of time. That was 2011 because he was uh, he was the final two with uh, um, Alberto Del Rio in the 40-man rumble. And everyone was going mental that he was going to win. And then two a couple of weeks later, he was in the final two of the Elimination Chamber with Daniel Bryan. Then folks yeah. thinking he was going to win because he hit, hit uh, Bryan with the Cobra. And everyone was just going ballistic, thinking that he was going to be World Heavyweight Champion. Um, but, you know, like, like I say, subjective. People loved that. You didn't. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's where it comes from. Uh, anyway, right, we're, we've went way off tangent. Yes, uh, as was the worry uh, when <laughs> we do these podcasts. Um, so we'll go back to your wrestling career a bit. Um, so a couple of matches. I've never had one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll use journey. Would that be better? Wrestling journey. <laughs> uh, it's a very short journey. It's just to the bottom of the street, really. Um, yeah, as yeah, as, as journey's probably the journey or career. It's, it's a weird way to describe it because it was. I trained for. I started training May. Discount in rumbles and different things like that. I had my first match on a show, 
in the February 2019. That was a student showcase show, which I'm told didn't count. Um, and then I didn't debut properly until I think September was my first match on the actual uh, like main roster show. And I did basically nothing in between that other than referee. And I that was that was like that was kind of my thing. I did a few, I did like a rumble spot, and that was it. And then I did, I did the things I did, and then we were done because pandemic. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, a couple of matches in. What I wanted to to like just speak about briefly because you're, as you say, you're a bit of a uh, history nerd when it comes to wrestling, the business, and just general. Um, one of the matches you had was the the like the crossover with W3L. He teamed Mike Musso against uh, John Kerr and Blondie Barrett. Yes. So as someone who is a bit of a, a wrestling nerd, what was it like getting to the ring with Blondie Barrett? Um, I wasn't even meant to have that match. I wasn't meant to be in the match. Um, so the, the night before there was the match where I won the showcase uh, title... Um, and there's a whole story behind that but essentially um, I was not originally planned to win that I wasn't going to be the champion um, John was leaving uh, and not a lot of people knew and they, he kind of told people the day before and they were just like okay like, we need to make a decision about what we're going to do let's move it to Jay just now uh, since I had, you know, I, had, I had the title shot match that day um, the next day I show up and there was, it was meant to be I think it was meant to be John Kerr versus Blondie Barrett in the singles and then they showed up and they were just like uh, Mike Musso came along with them um, I'm not entirely sure why I think Mike might have been told he was booked but other people hadn't and um, the promoter had, I, I don't exactly know the full story but Mike Musso showed up as well with Blondie and they're getting changed and it was just like John Kerr comes up to me and again I'm not still not booked on the show. I was do I was ringing the bell like I did the bell for the first match, and um, John comes up to me and he's just like, "You got your gear?" I'm like, "Yeah." So you got the bell? Like, of course I got because like, like you're going to a show, you take your gear. That's that's the thing. So even though I wasn't booked, I thought I'll take the stuff. I'm just like, "Yeah." He's just like, "Go get go get your stuff on." It's going to be uh, um, I think Mike and Mike and Blondie haven't showed up yet. Like they, it looked like they weren't going to show up. So it's just, it's going to be me and you, we'll have a rematch. Um, don't worry about it. Like we'll just, we'll work it out in the line. I was like, cool. So it got changed. And then they showed up. It's just like, oh, it's just going to be a triple threat with us three. And it's just like, no, it's going to be a tag match now. So go get, go grab your stuff and we'll go have a quick plan. And sitting back in the stairwell where we'll plan the match. And it's like me and Mike and thingy. And they're just like, oh, well, who do you want to go over? And I'm just like, well, look, the less the nerd than me. I'm just won the belt the day before, and I'm going. Oh, I'll take the pin. I don't care. Like, and Blondie was just like, "No, you just won the belt. You um, we'll pin Mike because like you know like because uh, they were going over and it's just like get in the ring and it's just like get in there." And I never touched Blondie. Like me and Blondie never touched him that much. <laughs> I think he gives me a clothesline at one point, and that was it. He closes like he does the the clothesline, and I go backwards over the ropes, and that was it. The rest of it was caretaking, uh, caretaking heat for me and Mike, and it was like, and I'm like, this Blondie Barrett, because I mentioned to my aunt that 
Blondie Bart is going to be at the show. It's just like, oh, Kendall Nagasaki's partner. I was like, yeah, like that guy. She's just like, oh, that's really cool. So, like, because they watched World of Sport and that. And I not saw a lot of Blondie. Like, I'd watched a bit of World of Sport because it's on YouTube. <laughs> but I hadn't watched a lot, but I knew of them. I was just like, I'm getting to share the ring with a. a sorry, I'm going to, I'm talking too fast and I'm getting the uh, hiccups and stuff. Um, I get excited talking about wrestling. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm opposite the ring against the guy who wrestled on World of Sport. I don't think World of Sport was even on when I, when I was born. This is insane. So, and like, that was one of the few times I didn't have anxiety going out for the match because I was going out with uh, John, who I think is a fantastic wrestler. Like, he's, he's 17, 18. I think he was 17 or 18 at the time, and obviously he's however old he is now. <laughs> but I was like, and he's fantastic, and I thought there's so he has got so much potential. And then I was like, I'm all, and then I'm t- teaming with Mike, who's I'm like 15, 20 years he's been a wrestler, like and he's a plopper journeyman. And I know him, I know that like, he'll be able to like talk to me and like help me through this. And then Blondie Ballot's in the opposite corner, like being the face, wanting to beat me up. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Like these guys are gonna like take care of me. Like I wasn't nervous about going out there because we had bits and pieces that we knew we were gonna do, and then we had two veterans communicating with us as well, telling us like how to do this. And it was great. Like I'm I normally I'm I'm quite I like to kayfabe. <laughs> like I don't like talking about it. like it's like we all know what's going on, but in that moment, I was marking out because I'm just like, I'm with Mike Musso against Blondie Parrot. This is awesome. Uh, and I called him an old man at the end of the match. And he was just like, don't call me an old man. Don't. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is, it, it's, uh, also, you didn't have the time. You didn't have the time to be anxious by the sense yeah. of it. You didn't have the time to uh, overthink it. It was just like, right, this is what we're doing. Okay, that's what I'm doing. There what literally happened was, Kerr comes up to me at the end of the first match and says, you got your gear? I'm like, yeah, okay, go get changed. We're going to have a match. Uh, I think there was the, there was another match. I think it was... Because there was no times for the matches that night. Normally you get told, oh, you got eight minutes or whatever, but they were told, it's a match, last show of the year. It doesn't really matter when we get out of here because it's an 18-plus venue, so they're quite cool with us being here to, like, whatever. I said, okay, so don't take the mech, but, you know, 20 minutes or so. So the first match went, like, I think it was, like, 17-18 Second match, I think it was uh, I think it was Lane and Ashley Vega, I think, and they they got told you know take as much time as you need, so they took like you know twenty minutes or so, and then was stalling because Mike and Blondie now show up and that and we were going to go on after we were going to go on third, and I was just like send you in and Zach Leon out because they need to set up a match, so they went out and they did like fifteen minutes of like just promoing on each other and like chasing each other and that and it was just like thank you so, like, so much to those guys for actually doing that so we had like a bit of time but all that time was spent let's get this done let's we'll do this we'll do this and I'm sitting there as Blondie Ballots like putting his boots on going like so I'm going to close you I close line you out the line you just need to land and can you do that like yeah of course I can do that just like excellent let's, uh, let's go and do it I was like cool Blondie Ballots going to close line me at the line and he was meant to close line me on one side but there was a table, like the, there was a table for the main event that night that they'd set, but they just, rather than put it under the ring, they put it at the side. And that's all like, oh crap, I'm going to go out on that side. Oh, fine, I'll just go to the other side. So I went to the other side and I went to do it. And what I forgot was, I'm like five foot 10, 11. And as I get clotheslined out, 
there's a balcony just beyond the ring and my feet sort of scrape it as they go in. So if I'd fully extended my legs, I would have caught it and just been caught on this balcony. But it was just, it was, it was such a strange match to be like, I'm not even on the, I'm not even on the show. And I somehow ended up teaming up against Blondie Ballet and one of the guys that I really respect in terms of training, which was John Kerr. And then I'm teaming with Mike Musso, who's again, I think I think he's been 20 years, might be longer, but like a vet who just knows what he's doing. He's such a journeyman in that and like hopefully he books me one day. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I was getting my timeline mixed up then. I knew it was right about the same weekend, but uh or same eight timeline. You won the belt off John Kerr. Yeah. As you said, you didn't really mean to be winning that, but circumstances no, meant you did. Um were you, are you a belt guy? Was that something you were really excited by, uh, being a um, champion? Um, uh, just, uh, am I a belt guy? Uh, <laughs> I have my WWF belt up there. Uh, I mean, I, I, my, I, don't, I don't know what it flex, but, you know. <laughs> you, I want to point this out because um, I was saying earlier about X-Pac and Shane and they were feuding for the European title. The big gold, like the WCW, NWA world title, uh, world have, WWF world heavyweight, WWE world heavyweight, is the most beautiful belt in wrestling. I will argue that to death. The second most beautiful belt in lesson is the one right behind you right now. That is my favourite belt, yeah. and it's purely because of X Park and Shane back in the day. I think that's um, why I loved it as well, because WrestleMania 15 <laughs> was my first my first WrestleMania, my first yeah. VHS as well. So uh, seeing that belt and I was like, oh, I fell off that belt straight away. And it's it's so simple, it's like thing. I I uh, will buy less than figures. I will spend uh, I will spend like 10, 15 pounds, 20 pounds buying a less than figure because they have a belt that I want to put on a different figure and then I will take that figure and just throw it away. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm a belt mark in terms of I like the designs, I like things like that. I'm not a belt mark in terms of like, I want to have these belts, like I want to be the champion. It wasn't about that. Um, to be honest, being the champion wasn't that fun for me. Um, it was cool to have it in that moment. Like if you watch the... Uh, no, wait, no, you actually... <laughs> Um, I was going to say if you watch the, the footage, but you can't because uh, they removed it recently for some reason. Um, I, think, uh, I think someone's put up a little clip of it at the end somewhere. I have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was you. I'll get. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to like, do a shoot on anyone. I'll do, go off on that. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little thing on that just after this. Uh, but um, where was I? I was thinking, yeah, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't most fun having the belt because I, I got it, I wasn't meant to have it and it kind of felt like that. And I'm, if you watch the footage, when I win that belt, it's fifth, I've timed this. Like, this is how sad I am. I timed it from the moment it's one, two, three, Dawn, um, who you had on podcast a while ago, who's, I'll say this, she's one of my best friends in wrestling. Uh, like, she supported me so much and I've, like, tried to support her as much. Um, but the fact that she was the referee and we kind of started doing stuff on the student showcases together, like that was a big moment that I got to share with her and I was really happy I got to do that with her. But it's 15 seconds from when I win, like the three to when she hands me the belt, it felt like I was. I'm sitting there and I'm just like, because I am in shock. Like I found out shortly before the match I was winning. I don't think I fully sunk in until I got that. Um, and I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I've won. 
holy crap, like that's, you know, my head, my brain's exploding. And I'm looking at Dawn going, hand me the belt. It's been like an hour. Come on, I need to get out of this other matches on tonight. And then she hands me the belt. And um, if I'd known I was winning way in advance, because you obviously you spend time going before, like, oh, it'd be like, if I win, I'm going to do this. And I was, I was I was thinking, I'll do the Seth Rollins and spin the belt. No, I can't because there's a there's a low roof, so I can't do that. Or maybe I'll do like, I'll lay it down and I'll do the Shawn Michaels, like the boyhood theme has come through thing or something like that. In the end, I just look at the belt, sh- shaking, stand up, put it over my shoulder, wave to John because he's going to the back because I've, you know, defeated him. And I look at the belt, I try and, climb up on the middle rope to celebrate because my mum and dad and my sister are like there and the, like I'm too tall because the roof's so short so I kind of hit the roof with the belt I jump back down, I look at the belt, float down on the thing, roll out, pick it back up and then just before I walk through the curtain I'm just like a new champion and then I walk backstage and I collapsed I felt I felt it just like inside Galala, I just walked down, I just fell over and I was like uh, what the hell have I done? <laughs> um, because it's like, this is this is like, I wasn't meant to be champion. I have no problem admitting that, but I was the champion. And someone picked me up and took me through to the, the corridor just behind Galilla that was in. And people were coming out of the left because no one knew. No one really knew this was happening. And they're coming out the left and they're, all they see is me sitting there holding this belt. And all these just like oh man, like something's happened. Um, and then people, and th- it was kind of, one person saw how I was, I think, I don't, I don't know if they thought I was like upset or in shock or something like that. But once one person came past me and said, oh, don't worry, it'll just be a transitional lane. And the wind just, okay, just really it, like- it Took the shine off the wind. Yeah. And it's and that whole sort of between that show the next night, and then we were off for January because the school was moving from from uh, the place a couple of minutes away to its new location. Um, we didn't train, and I felt like I hadn't deserved it. And at one point, I was thinking about messaging uh, people in charge and being like. Um, where do I drop this belt off? Because I just want to give it back. I don't want this. Because when I met up with people who were wrestlers, who my friends, they looked at me like I didn't, I felt they were looking at me like I didn't deserve it. And they were looking at me like, you didn't earn that. Um, and I was determined when we got back to training to, uh, to prove that I earned it, to prove that I deserved to actually at least maybe not carry it for a long time, but carry it for the for a period of time and have a couple of matches defend it. Because if you have a title and you don't defend and you defend it once and you lose it in that defense, it kind of dims the light of that person, in my opinion. And there was people talking in front of me. I don't I don't want to go too negative over this, but there were people talking in front of me, two people in power going. So I'm thinking at the next show, we'll do a thing where I'll challenge Jay and then he can come out and we'll do this thing and then I can win the belt and that way we get it off him. They're doing this in front of me. And I was like, I hated, like, it, it really killed any excitement I had for, for, for the belt early on. And I was trying to like pitch ideas to at least get to do something. I asked if, I talked to Kev Williams um, 
And it was just like, what do you think about doing showcase champion versus breakout champion in WCL? Because Lodrick Jones uh, had uh, just won uh, the breakout championship. I thought, it's like the two sort of similar levels. Let's do that. And he was just like, oh, look, we can think about that. And I was basically told that people just wanted to get the belt off me right away as quick as possible. And it was, it was, it just, it was very defeat, def, deflating. And it took me a long time because of that to feel comfortable holding that belt. Even just at home, like, like my flatmate um, and my partner make, will laugh at me for this. But I would walk around the house, and I'm sure there's people watching this going like, such a mark. But I would walk around the house carrying the belt, not to be like, I'm the champion. It was, I need to find a way to carry this belt that makes me feel like I am a champion and I deserve to hold this belt. Just a way of comfortable to me that when I walk up to the ring, I can do it. And what ended up happening was, I only ever got to do it once on the show, but I bandoliered it around, um, I think, and I had the actual main plate on the back because my idea was, well, the, I, I'm the champion. Doesn't, like, the belt doesn't matter. I'm the actual champion. That was, sorry. that was the eventual idea I had in that. But because of just how people sort of treated me, that it felt crap. It, felt, it didn't feel good being a champion for a, for a long time. I mean, just from our, our brief chat just now, you, 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 you've, you've talked about your uh, anxiety and things like that as well. So uh, it's, if, if I mean, sure people knew that's how you, you were before matches and, and after matches. So, uh, so I don't know if everyone knew, but I think, there was certainly people who I was close with who were either aware I had anxiety or had saw me taking five minutes before I went out to breathe and just to calm down and chill and be like, just say to yourself sort of thing and, and that. And then, you know, the, the match, like I'll admit that match was not my greatest match. Uh, and uh, it certainly wasn't John Kerr's match. He's had infinitely better matches than that one. But it was the match that we had. And it was the match that, because of circumstances where I think I was probably in shock of being told, oh, you're winning this match at the end, by the way. And I think John, this is his last night or second last night in the company and everyone's sort of finding out and everyone's just like, oh, we're going to miss him and that. I think, I don't know, I, I can't speak for John, but I think it sort of affected him as well in that way. So I would love to have, have a match with him again when we're both like level-headed and things. I think he just wanted, like, let's get this over with. Let's try and do the best we can and we did okay in my opinion um i suppose it's the, it's the flip side of of being told minutes before that you're going to be uh, opposite with opposite the ring to blondie barrett and then on the other hand minutes before going oh you're going to win this title but you're not going to hold it for yeah. long so don't worry about it it's the worst thing you can say to someone with anxiety because that's what yeah. you're going to do <laughs> for the whole yeah. time, uh, right? Let's go. To, let's go to happy things then. Let's let's, let's yeah. lift this up. Um, I did my research. I did a little bit of research beforehand. Unfortunately, you're quite elusive to find on the internet. Uh, but I did find out things. Um, of course, you said Batman, J. Robin being your uh, name. Like the um, Batman shelf is like behind me, actually. <laughs> and of course, uh, my you're... Batman shelf and my uh, my Robin and Nightwing comics. You actually can't see there's a, there's a Lobin display just off the side here with uh, uh, all my Lobin stuff. And of course, your your gear design is is uh, very reminiscent of of Robin as well. Um, yes, very deliberately so. So, <laughs> what what is it about Batman uh, and, and the, the, his uh, cast of 
characters that drew to, to them. Okay, uh, so I'll, I'll say the, the controversial thing. Batman is the most boring character in the world. Um, Batman, like I, I love saying this to people, because especially comic book nerds, because they get so riled up about this. Batman is a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. He's a wasp. He's the most boring character in the world. But at the same time, he's got the coolest image thing in the world, and he's got that cow, and he's got um, he's got all the, the gadgets and the belt and the the, the cowl and just the cape and just he looks like a badass but he's boring as hell um, but I I don't know why Batman and those cats because I got into the animated series when I was like because it was like it starts in 82 so I'm like two, three, four years old when it's ailing it's fantastic like I'll go I've got the DVD collection I'll still go watch that stuff today there's some just like some absolutely bangers um but I would watch 1966. Like the 66 show used to be on one of the kids' shows. Uh, I used to watch that. I just, I don't know, there's something about Batman. Um, I think it was, I was bullied as a child. Um, <laughs> we're going to go dark for just a second. Uh, but basically, uh, my, um, my, my uh, family, like history, is Polish-Italian. And they came over after the war. It's on my dad's side. And I'm named after my granddad. Spoilers, my real name is not actually Jay. Uh, <laughs> but I knew I, I was bullied a lot as a, at school and uh, because of my name and just I'm the weird kid who likes superheroes and comic books and all this stuff and like Batman and Robin specifically um, which is why I'm such a big Robin fan was like spoke to me in some way like there was something about it that was like um, there's always Robin specific is really plays into it of there's always no matter how dark things are and this is like there's always a bit of brightness and that's what Robin was to Batman and I think that's why I was always looking for that brightness in my life because when I was a child when I was like between the ages of like say five and twelve or thirteen when I stopped giving a fuck what people think sorry that's your one. <laughs> That's my one. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, when I stopped giving a clap about what people thought um, at like 13 and that, like that period of time, I was just like, Robin kind of spoke to me. And when I came out as queer, um, I also got into the, the X-Men and that because like it's the outsider team of like these like people who like hate and fear them, but they try to protect the world. Like, not that I'm trying to do that, but like just want to live my life sort of thing. And, I just like these characters that are like the blankness to the darkness and just want to um, find to do good even though everyone hates them sort of thing. That... Sorry, caught the cable. I'm, I'm all over the place today. This is what happens when you speak with your hands. Um... <laughs> but I was just, just um, about speaking about Robin as well. Um, it it kind of it harkens back to a joke. It's, it's joking scrubs, but it works in this basis as well. Um, if 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 you grow up anxious, bullied, you don't feel like you should be the main character. So you're not going to be Batman. No. But you're no. going to be there. You're going to be doing the same job just about, but you're not going to be the yeah, focal point, yeah. which is Robin. Yeah there's, yeah, there's definitely an aspect of that. Like, I never related to Batman the way I related to Robin or even um, to, like, Nightwing or uh, Led Hood or Led Robin, like, the characters that these, the other, like, the, the Dick Grayson Robin becomes Nightwing and Jason Todd Robin becomes Led Hood. I never, when they become those characters, I love them. I have their books. Uh, I have collectibles of them in the cabinet over there. Um, but I didn't relate to them as much as I do to whoever's whoever's Robin at the time, like the Tim Drake Robin, who was the 90s and 
early 2000s loving. That was my that was my loving. Um, and then like the Damian Wayne loving, um, like who's like the, the flip side of that almost. Like he's the darkness, and when they made Dick Grayson the original loving, they made him Batman. So he was it was bright Batman, dark loving, and I love that dichotomy of just like switching the thing and that. And again, related to like this these angry because Damien's an angry kid because he feels like his dad doesn't love him which my dad does my dad like me and my dad got on really well <laughs> but like this idea that you know that people don't he, he feels like he's got to prove himself and people don't love him and people always, always try to put him down on that and he just wants to sort of be a part of a, a world like a world with his family sort of thing I can relate to the that in the sense of like as a queer person you can often feel like you're not part of society in a way like it can feel like you're very much an outsider no matter how integrated you are into it that if you're queer it can feel like there's always you, what, I can say one wrong thing and suddenly I'm no longer included in the group you would never do it to a straight person but you would do it to a queer person I'm not saying you Billy but just in general and that's what it can feel like at times um, so again like the outsider characters and just that blindness like I needed a blindness and the anxiety and depression in that, like fucking blight colours uh, and the blight characters, the blight bubbly characters really speak to me, um, despite the fact that I want to be a bad guy and a hero on the show and the very, like, flip that idea. Uh, sorry, I think we've got one question about Batman. Um, it seems yeah, to be like Dawn. Yeah, it seems to be like a, 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 it's like a trigger subject. He, he, as soon as I've mentioned Batman, he's like, right. Everything about Batman. Uh, so we've got Don coming in with, uh, of course, Don Devlin, who did an Untitled podcast, as you mentioned, which you can go check out in all the places. Uh, you have to choose one iteration of Batman in its entirety. Every other one gets erased from history. Which is it? Okay. She was actually up uh, at my flat for night one of WrestleMania. Um, and I told her the answer then. Uh, I gave her two answers. Um there's two answers. One, if you're going to pick one specific version, it has to kind of be the animated series because the animated series covers Batman, uh, the Superman spin-off because he was featured in that. It features the Justice League cartoons and Batman Beyond and like the spin-off movies they did from all those things. And that is like pure quintessential, the best Batman of all time, the best version. But there's not a lot of it and that is why because it's quality over quantity. But I got to pick the original Batman in the comics from 1939 to today because if you don't have that, you don't get the movies, you don't get the, the cartoons, you don't get anything else. It always has to come back to those comics. So I'm going to say like the the, the comics because like I'm I'm a I'm a nerd in that way. I have a massive comic book collection, um, so I'm always going to say the comics. Uh, just out of my own curiosity, uh, live action Batman, what's your favourite? Actually, I'm sorry. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put a amend addendum to that. Best live action Bruce Wayne, best live action Batman, because you know oh. that kind of oh. kind of changes things a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, best. That's hard. Best Batman. And a lot of this is based on his look, because the co the uh, the the outfit looks so damn good. Is Batfleck? 
I'm going to have to give it to to uh, Ben Affleck on that one. Um, best Bruce Wayne, Keaton, probably Michael Keaton, like the '89 Batman Returns, like Joker, like the 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 Tim Burton version, like those, like is it Michael Keaton? Keaton's Burton's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like he's probably the best. Uh, I think he's probably the best uh, Bruce Wayne. Personal favorite role is actually uh, of both is um, is Adam West. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Val Kilmer. I don't know why I had it. You're going to say Val Kilmer. Why? Don't say Val Kilmer. <laughs> I'm one of the few people in the world who would defend uh, not Val Kilmer. I will never defend Val Kilmer's. Um, I will defend George Clooney's role. <laughs> I love that movie. It is so. It is so bad, but it is the ninety. It is the nineties version of the sixty six TV show. I was going to say and it's like, it's so camp that yeah, it, it, it's so cartoony. Like if you were making sixty six in nineties, that's what it would have looked like. Uh, maybe without nipples, but you could have had that was the look you would have wanted. Um, but like, but like George Clooney apparently keeps a picture of that Batman, like that outfit, on his desk. And whenever he's looking at things, just like, like I would never do anything as bad as this. And I'm sitting there going, oh, George, that was one of your best movies. <laughs> I liked it, but I, I don't have a... I, I watched... A, um, this is going to probably be a controversial opinion, maybe. I watched the Snyderverse uh, version of Justice League. Not watched it yet. Oh, what a boring film. <laughs> <laughs> that's what everyone says to me it's boring and I'm just like I'm just it's, it's kind of like Game of Thrones it's on my list of things I will watch it is just not high on my list of things I will watch I will rather I'll go watch like The West Wing again or Sons of Anarchy or Bones or Law and Order so I will re-watch those shows before I go watch new stuff and like Snyder verse, the Snyder Cut is, is I, I was not impressed with Man of Steel I was not I was happy with the last act of Batman vs Superman when Wonder Woman shows up. Uh, I was not in, I was not really impressed with just the stuff that Snyder had done and with the DC characters. So I was like not fully committed to a Justice League. I wasn't that bothered by the theatrical cut. I thought it was fine. It was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie. It was what it was. Like I'm told, they fixed some of the things that that movie had issues with, but because oh, like, there's, you can like clocks through the plot holes in that movie, but it was what it, it was. It was Justice League on screen. Like I'm just happy to see Justice League on screen. Like as a as a comic book nerd, like I'm just happy to see that stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, well, this will be a whole other different podcast entirely, but yeah, I'm just of the opinion of they've they've saw what the MCU have done. I love the Marvel films, so that's, that's... They should have just did that. They should have just did what the Marvel movies did. They, they, hot, they, went, they went, oh, we've done Superman. Oh, we don't need to worry about anyone else. We'll just do a big Justice yeah, League one. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do it in the verse. We'll, build, yeah. we'll, we'll do the big thing, and then we'll build backwards. Because Wonder Woman's a fantastic movie. Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman is fantastic. It's easily the best DC movie they've done. Shazam is a decent movie, oh, mostly because they, they yeah. kept it away from everything that had already done. Uh, but that's why I think like um, the Flash and the Arrow and Super Supergirl and Super is it Super, is it Clark and Clark and Lois or Superman and Lois like the the new one and like Legends Lois, of DC yeah. yeah Legends of Tomorrow all that stuff the the TV universe they created that's 
miles better because they basically like yeah it's a tv show so it's slightly different but they basically just did what the marvel did they built up these characters over time and then they decided to put them into the big crossovers that your crisis is or whatever but like your tv does it well enough just steal that idea and if anyone says oh you're just ripping off marvel be like yeah because it was bloody successful absolutely it's what it's been uh over uh, 13 years now and it's still well it's easily it's still the highest profit franchise uh probably in the world i think it's overtaken harry potter even though it's done it on more yeah. films but that's a whole different story i was um, i was wondering it took bond like 40 years to make as much money as like marvel did in like five people just like superheroes <laughs> that's just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a crossover for for us as well. Like you say, you you, you were Power Rangers, Batman, wrestling. I was Power Rangers, Spider Man, wrestling. So it's it's all superheroes at the end of the day. It's just a yeah. it's just a live action every week of the year, which is yeah weird. I mean, that's the thing. Wrestling is just like it is just superheroes. Like that's it. They, they wear spandex. Some of them wear capes. Um, they wear masks. Some of them. It's it's, it's superheroes and. Sort and super villains and like like that was like one of my one of the most funs I ever had in the ring was actually is the the last thing I did was the fast track. At one point, I rolled out the ring, and there's like some kids like behind me, and they shout like this. Like, they got light up there and they're screaming light in my ear, and um, I just turned in like, <laughs> like being light over the top of them, just start screaming at them, just like you're here to see me, all that stuff. And you can see they're just like, okay, we're scared of you now. Um, and it was just like, I was just like, that's that's as a guy, that's that's what that's what it's like. It's like it's what it's like when you see villains in the movies and they stand up and everyone's just like, oh crap. Like it felt like that. It was like for me, like as a as a comic man, it was it was it was kind of cool to feel that. And that was like that was one that's probably one of my favorite moments, one of of very few, but there's a few of them that, that I thought that was just like awesome. Like to get to do that, and then someone immediately beats me up afterwards. So the highlight of my career is basically just getting beat up and kicked in the balls. Because it <laughs> happened in every, it happens in every match. If you, I've got like almost every single one of, uh, I've been able to get footage of like almost all my matches or every match I've been involved with, and like I get blowed in I think every one of them but one. Like I don't know why people just like low blowing me and kicking me in the head when I go down. <laughs> um, let's try to make that habit when the show's come back uh, right so we'll do our, our stupid questions that we ask and then uh, we'll, we'll look to the future when Go on. pandemic's over so uh, you, you, probably, you listed Don's one so you know what one of them is at least we've added a new one since uh, so first off what's your favourite dinosaur uh, favourite dinosaur I'm going to say Spinosaurus because of Jurassic Park 3 Fair enough. I like it when people give me a reason. Um, I haven't said it in a while, but my favourite one is still Turkey Dinosaur. That's top tier. I, I went to, I, I went to, well, we've got a food warehouse, not in Iceland. It's the same thing here up in Elgin. But uh, I, I saw Turkey Dinosaurs, I was looking at, and it still makes me laugh that someone gave me that answer as as favourite dinosaur. It's, oh, the best. Anyway. I just found out they're doing Quan ones now. My friend is vegan and they messaged me the other day and they're just like, you know how you like, like, like dino, dino nuggets or whatever and I'm just because I'm a child and I'm just like yeah and I'm just like they're doing corn ones now and I'm just like well I'm not going to bloody eat them I'm like, 
Oh, <laughs> but, take, like, but I can, but I can have them now. So taking the fun out of it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was speaking to, to Ellie Armstrong. This this could be the episode before this one goes out. She's a vegan, um, and she was she was pretty much saying that corn is no, no to corn. She gave me something that tastes that, that she was giving me these tips about uh, stuff that looks and tastes like chicken. It's got the texture of chicken. I was like, yeah, that, that'll be the only thing that might get me onto the, the vegetarian or vegan train is yeah. if it tastes like meat yeah I, I have a lot of vegan i have a lot of vegan and vegetarian friends and always say oh you should you should try this it tastes like chicken i was like no what else tastes like chicken 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 <laughs> <laughs> um another question is which i felt really bad asking her uh, her because she's a vegetarian uh, vegan uh what would in a fight two sheep or one cow Yes, um, Nobody thinks it's going to be like a, a serious question. And when I ask it, there's, a pa- there's always a pause. Like, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to say sheep. Like two sheep, and take the cow. Any particular reason? Is there? Is there a, a plan um, logic behind it? I mean, I think sheep as well. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to be like really sad. I watch a YouTube channel called The Hoof GP. He is, is such a good show, but his base, his base is such a good channel. Basically, he's a... Uh, oh, crap. Sorry. My battery's going low for a second there. That's fine. Um, so he goes to farms and he basically does hoof maintenance on all the cows. And you'll put, like, plastic blocks on because they've got infections or the blisters or that. Cows' feet are manky. Like they get so messed up and so like I think how they can some of them can barely walk properly. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say the sheep can take it because the cow's feet are going to get all messed up in the field and the, the sheep will just be like bang and they'll be over. Right as your battery's going, then we'll we'll get the last couple of questions. Got in. Tw- is, is it twenty percent? So twenty oh, percent. Be, be fine. Uh, so if it's an iPhone or that, it goes like twenty eighteen dead. So <laughs> I know from experience. <laughs> Um, so looking to the future then, no wrestling happening just now because, you know, pandemic. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the company you were with, uh, you're no longer affiliated with uh, or want to be affiliated with. So what... I, 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 there's a, there is a thing about that. Like, they talk crap about me now. I offered to go back. Not when, when I left. I didn't offer to go back. I said when I left. If you ever want me to come back and do a spot, like, just make up numbers, more than happy to. Like more than happy to come help you guys out because I was quitting. I was, I was like, I'm done with this and I don't really need to do anything else. And then they started talking crap and I was like, okay then, I know, I know where to go now. I know what I'm doing. So like, I'm, I, I'm not better, but I, I, I offered, I, yeah, I offered like an olive branch to say I'm not because I said I don't want to mess you guys over. I don't want to mess your book, but I can't be other than less than. And I was thinking legitimately that I was going to quit. And then that happened. I was like, well, okay, then. That was nice of them to do the things that they do the things or say the things I've said or not say the things uh, since I've left. So I'm like, okay, I know, I know what's going on. Um, but I'm obviously not, yeah, not a fellow with them anymore. Never will again because of the stuff that's happened since. Uh, and if anyone goes online, they'll find it. Like, so we try to keep us a happy, we're a happy podcast. So yeah, we, yeah, we won't yeah. go into mudslinging, but uh, which we probably could. We might after this, after I hit stop recording. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> what, what's your aspirations? I've got some stories. Oh, I bet you do. Uh, what, what's your aspirations? And which companies are you wanting to try and get to when when uh, shows open up again? Everyone. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I would love to go uh, to. Um, I'd love to go do something in WFL. Um, obviously, uh, FCW is talking of, is uh, as I said, talking about they've already announced shows. Uh, in I think they've got one Perth already, and they've announced one in Dundee. So um, they're moving into Dundee. I want to be involved. I'm most likely going to be training with them uh, once they're able to get their school up and run in. Um, there was the Pride Wrestling that's setting up in London to do, and they wanted to feature like LGBTQ. Uh, wrestlers, uh, I know that a few people have put in word for me. Uh, I've not had anything back. I was very early in my career. I don't have like a lot of footage where I can send people saying, "Hey, look at this great match," because I don't have that stuff. But I'm hoping I get to do something with them eventually. Uh, but really, I just want to. My goals kind of. I want to. I want to do a tour, like even if it's just like three days. And I know W3L do tours, so I hope you know. Hopefully, I can. Like put the work in and get to the point where they were willing to book me and do a, like let me go on one of those. Um, I'll, pro- I'll probably see you up here then because they usually do their tour <laughs> up, up north, and that's where yeah. I can see them. Yeah, um, but like really, it just really, it's really anywhere. Like I don't, ha- I, I'm, I feel like I'm like I say what we said earlier about like I started training when I was twenty eight. I'm thirty one now. Um, if I'm never going to get to WWE, I'm never going to get to New Japan, but that's. I was never going to get there anyway, but I would love to go work like across Europe. I'd like to do some stuff. I'd like to go to Japan and do something, even like the small companies there, America. I'd love to do stuff like that before that I reach the age of forty and like my knees are completely shot because I did the best thing of like messing up my knees and then started wrestling training because that is how it is meant to be done. <laughs> of course, yeah, that's the order. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like just. Those two, uh, WFL, FCW. I'd li- I'd love to do something with Pride. I actually, what I was actually talking with someone beforehand about an idea of doing a Pride show in Scotland before they announce anything. And I think someone in Glasgow um, announced they were going to be doing one at the same time. I was talking to someone else about, hey, this would be really cool if we could do this, especially since there's a Pride sh- there's a Pride festival thing in Dundee now. That would be really cool if we could try and. Like maybe see if we can get a, a ring down where they're doing it and have a couple of matches and uh, try and feature Scottish LGBTQ wrestlers because that's the thing about the one in London is, and I, I understand why they would do it. But they're going to focus on the English wrestlers and the ones who are around that area because it's going to be cheaper for them to come in and travel. Getting the guys down from Scotland, it's a bit more difficult. So something to do in Scotland, um, that. But I just I just want to wrestle someplace, um, and I would like to wrestle locally so I can. Do it for my friends and family. <laughs> and say with with opponents, um, you've already mentioned you'd you'd love to step in with John Kerr again. Um, yeah. Is there any any what would be your uh, say? You had the cho- choice to wrestle anyone that's still active nowadays. Who would it be? Um, Finn Balor, uh, <laughs> Chris Jericho. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, on the on the Scottish scene, I'd, there's some. There's some really great young guys in ICW. Like I'm not, I'm nowhere near the level that I'd need to be to sort of face these guys. But like guys like uh, Daz Black and um, Logan, no, Logan Smith. I remember. Possibly, I've completely blanked on the guy's name. But there's a few, there's a couple of young guys there. It's like I, uh, I think they, I think they're 
doing amazing like stuff and like when he's really young I'm just like that's like great opportunity for uh, for them guys never met them but like it's good to see like young guys getting that opportunity to like appeal on like the WWE network that's fantastic uh, guys that have, have worked on shows with uh, guys like Luke Aldridge I think Luke is vastly underrated I would love to work something with him um, I'd love to do something with Zach Leon because I went to school with Zach um, we actually went to the same uh, high school together um, and he's coached me a bit when he was taking classes at the Dundee uh, company and it was really cool for me we won I won the showcase he won the future on the same night and I was just like two guys from Morgan Academy we became we became less than champions on the same night together. that's kind of cool and I have a picture of the two of us with the belts just after we won um, which I'm sure he's like thrilled about but for me, it was a cool moment uh, because we we weren't friends. We, we knew each other, but we weren't like close friends in that. We're not close friends now, but like it was it was kind of, it was still kind of cool. Like two guys who just like knew each other as kids, but like both they end up in the same company and end up becoming champions. Same night. It was it was cool. Uh, and then, well, that's it. That's it. That's, that's, that's our whole interview done. Um, went for we've gone over an hour, which. Uh, when, when I was doing my research, I was thinking, oh, I might struggle again an hour here, but we've just ended Oh, no, no, anyone, anyone who knows me would have told you, no, you're not going to have a trouble getting me to talk. Uh. Uh, right, so before we go then, before we, I hit stop recording and before I end up hitting the screen with my hands, damn you, Steve Austin, um, <laughs> where can people find you on social media? Uh, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok, which will never actually get used, it's just so I can watch TikToks. Uh, it's at J Robin Pro. Um, that's it. Like everything's under the same thing. And if you want to email me, it's at J Robin Pro at gmail.com. Cool. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, no problem.